0: This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. And welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tasting. We are very excited to have you guys back with us. We're going to be doing a beer podcast. Now, normally it would be a wine podcast. But this week, since we have Thanksgiving coming up, we're going to do a special episode next week uh, about Thanksgiving wines. And so we went ahead and did a beer week. Uh, We're going to be doing porters this week. So, Dad, what are are we drinking from you this week?
1: Well, last week. I said I was going to have Anchor Steam Porter. And you know what, Josh? What's that? Went to the favorite liquor store, no Anchor Steam Porter. Went to another liquor store, no Anchor Steam Porter. Really? So I ended up with Founders Porter. Okay. And I know it's good. Yeah,
0: another good solid one. What do you have as your snacks this week?
1: Uh, My snacks this week, I have pork tenderloin that I smoked. It had uh, bacon, cracked pepper. And I add a little Kansas City-style rub to it. I have spicy chicken wings. And I have Hershey's chocolate pudding.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's like a little snack pack cup from Hershey's. It looks really good.
1: Yeah, I just pulled it right off the shelf at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. What about you?
0: So I'm doing the Bell's Porter from Michigan this week. And then my snacks to go with it, I have some chocolate uh, peanut butter cookies so peanut butter cookies with chocolate chips in them i have a coffee chili rubbed filet and then i have some kind of bourbon spicy lacquered bacon and then as kind of an extra little treat i have a dark chocolate peanut butter cup
1: all right
0: so it's gonna be really good so um, sounds good yeah Last week, we had a special blind taster. Uh, My mom, Joanne, came on the show. And it was her birthday. It was her birthday when we recorded. So uh, we brought her on as a special guest taster, and it's a gin. And she said that what she had in her glass was tangere. So, Dad, let everybody know what it was. It was tangere. She nailed it on (laughs) the head. And we tried to trick her because we gave her tonic water with
1: it, but that's really how she drinks it.
0: Yeah, so it was a really cool. She, uh, she's batting a thousand, so she's going to be. I'm not coming back for a while. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't blame her.
0: Cool. So uh, well, let's go ahead and get into our tasting this week, Dad. Let's start with yours. Uh, tell us again what you have.
1: Uh, it's Founders Porter. There's two guys, they're, they're co founders Mike Stevens and Dave Ingbirds. They opened their doors to a 9,800-square-foot building, a brewery, in downtown Grand Rapids in
0: 1997. Oh, wow, 97. Right. That's young.
1: Yeah, it is. In 2001, their beer was not that great, and so they were afraid they couldn't, they could barely make uh, payroll and make uh, their payment on the building and whatnot. So... One of the two guys went out and got bolt cutters because they were afraid the, the bank was going to come, <laughs> lock come them in down. and lock, lock them out. So that's kind of interesting. Now, the other thing that you will find interesting is they have some nitro beers. Yeah. Let's see. I've, I've got the screen up here. They have oatmeal nitro. They, you know... And they got, they got this sweet beer called Rumgus. I've never had it, but it's, it's one of those pink ones, Josh. Oh, okay. So, they, but year-round, they do that breakfast out. They do Centennial IPA. They do, do a unraveled IPA, one called Dirty Bastard. Mm-hmm. This porter that I chose and this Ruminus that I just talked about, a solid gold. And a Red Rye IPA. That's okay. the ones they do all the time. Right. So I'm really excited about this uh, porter. Uh, a little fun fact. There is a, when you open the cap.
0: On their on their bottle.
1: Of the bottle. It says, we made it for us.
0: hmm So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So it sounded like they kind of turned it around and decided, you know. We're going to have to do what we like rather than trying to be somebody else.
1: That's right. So they have the nine year-round beers, the three nitros. They have many others. In 2017, they did 466,700 barrels. Wow.
0: And a barrel is like, what, 13 gallons? No, a
1: barrel is 31 31 gallons. Yeah. yeah. So that's a lot of beer. Yeah. So... Both of these beers look the same to me, Josh.
0: Yeah. Don't get
1: them confused.
0: Yeah. So the only difference that I can see is the head on the Founders Porter is a little bit more like a latte, like a cappuccino, a little bit more brown. And the head on the Bells is a little bit whiter. But it smells like it smells of coffee and like chocolate, really roasty smell on it. Exactly.
1: You nailed that. Yeah. It's 6.5%. Okay. That's a little, little high for it's a porter. High. Yeah. And it's 45 IBUs. Okay. Now get this. It has a rate beer rating of 100. Really? Yes. Wow. It uh, has won uh, many recognitions and an awards. It was the third best porter in the world in 2013. Wow.
0: What uh, what festival was that at, or what competition um, does it say? I think it does say. I think it's. I think there's just an international beer festival, kind of like well, Great American. Uh, it's is the, the best there. American porter
1: in the world. This was Paste Magazine, 2015. Okay. I don't, I don't recognize that one. Uh, 2014, it was uh, the Great American Beer Festival silver medal. Okay, second place. Yeah. And that's kind of a a, a world uh, competition because l- people come, I think, from
0: all over the world to enter the Great American Beer Fest. Yeah, so it's so it's dark, you dark. know, it's black. Can't really see. You can't see through it at all. Like I said, the head on this is kind of more of like a mocha coffee, like a brown, a light brown. You have those the smells of the kind of coffee and. Those roasty Yeah, I got
1: a flavors. chocolate smell with that. So it's undoubtedly got chocolate. And
0: there's a little bit of like light flirty in it. So that must be the hops. Could a little be. bit of hops that they're using. Yeah, I
1: don't know what hops they're using. Oh, I man, get some that's... caramel. Do you get some caramel present? You know,
0: I do kind of get a little bit yeah. of carameliness. But man, that is a smooth, easy drinking beer. But it's a it's a blackened
1: color Ooh. with a nice tan uh, head. And it, we poured these beers a few, I don't know. 15 minutes ago and they're just hanging in there. Yeah. Hard to see the legs because the head just hanging on.
0: <laughs> well, and so I've, I've, I've kind of drank a little bit of mine and you can see the head, it like sheets down the glass. So, you know, that's kind of one of the markers of a, a well-constructed bigger beer that they kind of right. sheets down. It um, it's really good. It tastes like a roasty car- caramel. I get more caramel on the, on the taste of it rather than the, than the smell that kind of like cooked sugar and coffee. uh, Right. Almost like a light mocha, you know, an espresso drink that's got coffee in it. That's right. Well, have you ever wondered why Founders is called
1: Founders? Yes. You have? I have. Do you know the answer?
0: I don't know the answer.
1: I'm looking forward to you telling me. Well, many, many years ago, probably about 1997, Dave and Mike were wanting to open a brewery. They're college college friends, and they found this location. It's on a street called Monroe Avenue in the downtown northeast part of Grand Rapids. The owner of this place was trying to get the street's name changed back. And I say back because it used to be called Canal Street. So he wanted to get it changed back to Canal Street. So what uh, Dave and Steve decided to do is they decided to buy this building. Well, what they did is they they called it Canal Street Brewery. Okay. But then they decided, you know, let's let's kind of do some history look on this and find out what things you know kind of look like back you know back in the Prohibition days because there were more breweries back then than there are now. Yeah. And so they started looking in the records, and they, they found names like Furniture City Brewing Company or Grand Rapids Brewing Company. But and it doesn't really, my research didn't say exactly why, other than they decided to call it Founders, because they kind of found this information, and they wanted to make it simple. Okay. So everybody would remember. Yeah. And then they realized... Wow, Uh, we're calling ourselves Founders, but we're Canal Street Brewing. Uh Uh-oh, that might be confusing. Yeah. So then they turned the name of the brewery into Founders Founders Brewing. Well, cool. So that was pretty pretty cool. Yeah,
0: so um, I just had the chicken wing. I was getting a little hungry. And those have got a little bit of back-end spice. Are they smoked, too? Do you know?
1: I don't think they were smoked, no. Okay. Okay, just have I this, just pulled them off the shelf at the grocery store, and then I added a little a little spice to them.
0: Okay, yeah. So they they've got kind of a light smoky flavor, which goes really well with the roastiness of the beer, and this the inherent sweetness that's in the porter helps to kind of calm calm down some of those those really spicy flavors in it. There is a little spice,
1: did you say? It calmed it down. The beer did.
0: Yeah, it does. It's a back end spice too. It's not like a front. It just hits you in the back of the throat. That's right. That's what I'm getting. So, when you were once again, you're the home brewer. Have you ever made a porter?
1: Oh yeah. You know, being a home brewer, it's easy to hide your mistakes. Yeah. In a porter or a stout. Why is that? Well, because. It's gonna turn out dark anyway. Okay. And so if you're trying to make a ale that's in light color, yeah, if you've got mistakes in there, mm-hmm. they're gonna show up. Okay. But making a making and and besides I like I like stouts and porters a <laughs> yeah. lot. You know, I had a friend that made kiwi beer Ugh. and it's like, Really? what are we doing this for? We <laughs> we can just eat the kiwi and you know. Drinking down some water.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: That's, that was my thought
0: on that. Kiwi and a bottle of vodka, and then you have kiwi vodka. So when I was looking at this, you know, the beer style itself was actually developed in London in the 18th century. And because it was popular with the river porters mm-hmm. and other porters in and around London, that's how it got its name. Okay. You know, It was a darker, heavier beer that was enjoyed by those people and it was a little bit cheaper than other beers and it was the first beer that they allowed to sit and age Oh, so really? yeah it was the first real bre- brewed beer that was allowed to sit in age and develop in at least in the kind of in in Britain and you know it allowed it allowed breweries to make this beer on a larger scale because they could make a lar- they could make a large bit put it back for a while, make their other beers to where they're making money. Yeah. And then, you know, if barley gets lean or something gets lean, they can pull out this porter and start putting it out. And because they're putting it back, it was a little bit higher in ABV than most okay. beers. right. You know, it was originally brewed around 6, 6.5%. And, a half percent. and that's, <laughs> that was one of the reasons it was really popular was because- Well, that's true, because too. Because yeah. it was higher in alcohol. Give me some high alcohol. Yeah, I can, you know, I can get this, you know, bitter- that's you know, probably four percent. Or I can get a porter for probably the same price. Right, right, And I can get, you know, more of the effects of it. So it was it was kinda cool to cool to look into that. So when you were making stouts and porters or when you were making porters, kind of did you model it after another style or did you just kinda find a like a standard recipe and kinda go from you know, go that way? I did both. I
1: had I had standard recipes, but I took a a magazine called Brew Your Own. Mm -hmm. And in the magazine Brew Your Own, they'll have articles about specific beers. And then somebody has gone through, I don't know if it's one of the editors or who it might have been. They're talking about this particular beer and they have cloned it and created a recipe for the five-gallon home brewer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it works out well. Sometimes you can't get exactly the same malt or exactly the same hops that the recipe calls for. Yeah. But you kind of experiment around and
0: you know, you get it done. Cool. So, going back with that chicken wing pairing, kind of the more I get to it, I'm getting a lot more of the chocolatey flavor. Right. And it's like milk chocolate. It's yes, not real it is. bitter chocolate. It's kind of like Hershey's chocolate, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. So, um, tell us a little bit about the pork again, the pork dinner line.
1: I cut to the chase. I bought, I bought, the pork already uh, spiced. And like I said, it has... Um, it said it's smoked bacon. And there was little giblets on one side of the, of the pork tenderloin itself with cracked pepper. And then I added a Kansas City-style rub. Okay. Just for everyone's information, it's not Gates, which we talked Ooh. about before. There's another rub called Jack Stack. <laughs> okay. There's a lot... You know, in Kansas City, you... If you don't uh, find the barbecue that you like, you're
0: not trying hard enough. Yeah. Because
1: there are so many out there.
0: Yeah, Jack Sack kind of more of the high-end barbecue place. Yeah. But it's still really good. And then how did you cook it? Did you just oven I roast smoked it? it.
1: Oh. I put it on my grill and smoked it. Okay. Cool. So it it doesn't take that long. It, you know, it's, it's only, what that look like? Ten, inch, ten inches long, Josh? Yeah, and, a foot and maybe two inches around at the fattest yeah so it's not going to take long to smoke something like that so back to uh founders and i told you about the the boat cutter that they bought because they thought they were going to get locked out yeah they make a series of beers called backstage series and one of them is called boat cutter
0: <laughs> okay what type is that
1: let's I'm going to click this link about backstage and see. Okay, it brings, uh, what they say is it. this series brings out some of our most sought-after and experimental taproom beers. So you know how Lost 40, on Monday, they have the fresh cut? Right. That's what this sounds like. Okay. So they make 750 milliliter bottles of this special batch, uh, the different different ones that they call the backstage. So it's kind of an
0: experimental sort of situation. So kind of like the Smokesack series that. Boulevard. Well, comes. that's
1: right because those come in in uh, 750s. 750s.
0: Which for those of you that don't know, a 750 is a standard wine bottle. That's right. Size. It's not, a, right. bom- it's not a bomber bottle because that's actually smaller by about five ounces. Right. It's a full, you know, kind of wine bottle size. And, you know, my dad talked about it earlier but we talked about the rating on rate beer. Rate beer is an is a big online open source rating site for beer. It is uh ratings are put in by professionals as well as amateurs. That's right. Um so it can it can give you a good kind of idea. I'm personally I'm not a big ratings follower because depending on the rating system that you use, I mean it can be so arbitrary, you know, because I could I could rate a double IPA as 50 or 10 just because I don't like it. Whereas right. my dad would probably rate it, uh, he would rate it higher, unless it was just you know absolutely trash. But most likely we're not going to find the, find those beers, <laughs> yeah. absolutely trash beers in the market. Um, so I kind of like use it as a okay, well this could be a good one. I'm gonna.
1: But there's always somebody that, like you said, you don't like the IPAs. There's always somebody that's going to rate it. Mm -hmm. and rate it really low and it's like it's like ratings of a hotel room i mean somebody's always going to have a bad experience Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that are more likely to put a rating in than the person that had a fantastic experience yeah so that that's kind of how that works there's another one uh that it's an app on
0: my phone called untap yeah you can use that one as well yeah, Untapped's more like social media kind of rating. Yeah. Uh, you can follow people. Um, both my dad and I have accounts on there. He's more active than my, I am on it. Um, so, it's something else you can do. Um, so, in the pairings, Dad, have you tried any of the pork yet?
1: I haven't had a chance. We've been talking too much. Yeah,
0: it's, it's really good. It's got a really, really light smoky flavor. You know, the pork, I think pork and... Most darker beers are always going to work well together. I think so too. That is a that's a fine pairing. It has that fattiness that kind of runs through it, and then that little bit of spiciness coming from the rub that you added onto it. And there's some
1: sweetness in there too that mm-hmm. that mates well with the sweetness of the porter. I I find porters, you know, they're not very bitter. No, they're not. I mean, forty five IPA or forty five. IBUs is as is as high as some of your lower IPAs. Right. So forty five is kind of a mid range, so it doesn't just knock your socks off bitter wise.
0: Yeah, and it's you know it's funny you talked about that. I was going to talk about this later when we got into my beer, but this is a perfect time for it. Bell's actually doesn't tell you their IBUs. Oh, really? Because of the difference between absolute bitterness and perceived bitterness so if you have something that's bitter but you also have something that's sweet with it you're going to perceive less of that bitterness Mm. even though the absolute bitterness of that could be really high like they're saying one of their stouts is higher in IBUs than some of their IPA okay but they don't but you don't taste it you don't taste it bitter most stouts are actually pretty Stouts and porters are actually pretty high in IVUs. You don't perceive it when you taste it. Or you, don't, you don't taste it. You don't feel that bitterness. You don't get those reactions to something bitter. It's like, it's like if you take a lemon. If You bite a lemon, really bitter, really sharp, really acidic. You put a little bit of sugar on that. You bite into it again. The bitterness may have changed just a little bit, but it's not going to feel as bitter because you have that sweetness or... Um, other things like where you add salt to them and it changes the flavor it changes how your mouth perceives what you're tasting. Exactly. So I thought that was interesting about Bell's how they kind of came out and said you know we're not going to tell you our IBUs because we're we're focused on more balance and IBUs can kind of mess with you. Yeah. Kind of like remember your first blind, the Snake Party Yeah. The Snake Party IPA. You know it was a double IPA it was hate, But it was a hazy IPA, and there's some of that sweetness from the doubling. And so you didn't perceive as much bitterness as you expected. That's right. And so you have the, that same kind of thing that goes on. And I thought that was really interesting because I'd never thought about that before.
1: Well, and I think a lot of people will look at a porter or look at a stout and see that blackness and think, oh, man, this thing must be way up there in alcohol and way up there in bitterness, uh-huh. and they're not. Uh-uh. You know, uh, a Guinness is not very bitter, but when you take a Murphy's, which is another stout, mm-hmm. it has a lot more bittering to it. I don't know the numbers offhand, but there's just difference, and I think that perceived difference of, that's a black beer, it's got to be. yeah. Well, have you noticed on the bottle?
0: There's a there's like a painting of a, of a woman.
1: There's a lady on here.
0: It reminds me of a like a Rembrandt painting.
1: It does. And, you know, I, I, I googled and googled and googled. Who's the lady? Who's the lady on the founder's porter bottle? I never really got an answer. Yeah. But I did find this website that's quite interesting. What it says underneath, I mean, there's a photo of this lady dressed in black, big black hat and it says Founders Porter and then it says dark rich and sexy. Mm -hmm. And so the woman is not dark skinned, but she is in dark clothes. What I read was that the perception of the this is, it's hard to tell when this I mean they may have just got somebody to sit and they painted or did whatever. But it looks like we're back in the 20s or 30s with that really big hat. Yeah. And the perception was if you can if you can pay for that big hat, right, then you're rich, right? To say that she's sexy, I think they're saying that their porter is sexy because yeah. It's so smooth
0: and silky mm-hmm. and sexy. Right.
1: If you can say that all about <laughs> beer.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, when I was looking into some of the history of porters, you know, they really, you know, they started back in the 18th century, so 1700s. They really caught, they really caught their stride in the, ni- in the 19th century or in the 1800s. And it kind of looks like that's the era to me, I mean, you said 1920s, but to me it looks like it's yeah. more of the Victorian. Yeah, maybe the 40s. Kind of Victorian. Well, the 18s. Oh, the 18. Oh, okay. The 1800s, the Victorian era, kind of have that. Or, you know, like the late 1800s is kind of when those got it. And, you know, around that time is actually when they started to make stout porters. Oh, okay. Single stout porters, double stout porters. Triple Stout Porters, or Imperial Stout Porters. Okay, and guess what? Those are the stouts that we know today. Okay. So they actually the porter is the father or mother of stouts. Okay. Because they started making these, they would take a porter, they would beef it up, give it more richness, give it more flavor, give it more alcohol, and then they would sell it, and they would you know sit it, kind of cellar it. Like they do the regular porter and then they would sell it and they would have these stout porters. And it wasn't until like later in the 19th century that they, that they dropped the porter part and just had stout. Oh Okay. Which I thought was really cool. But so I see you, uh, you eating some of the, oh. the chocolate pudding. <laughs> Hershey's chocolate pudding. It's
1: a sweet on sweet chocolate on chocolate.
0: To me, that is perfect pairing. I'm interested to see what you think. Man, this takes me back. This eating pudding. I don't eat pudding a whole lot. Yeah. But it just, especially out of, you know, the little cups. Check it on Instagram. You know I mean, you'll see the picture of the lady that we talked about. But also, we are, honestly, it's like a snack pack cup. Yeah. And it just reminds me of, you know, elementary school, lunch, sitting there eating pudding. So we talked about the their porter being 45 IBUs.
1: Mm. They have one called... Dark Penance, which is an American black ale that has 100 IBUs.
0: And it won't taste like an IPA.
1: Well. It won't. I, I, yeah. black, I love black ales and black lagers. Right. And then they have one called Devil Dancer, which is an American Imperial IPA, that it says here is
0: 112 wow. IBUs. Getting a little crazy now.
1: Uh, that is getting a little crazy.
0: You're I right. wonder what they're. Uh, Their Scotch Ale, the Dirty Bastard. Oh, uh, it's here. Is. That's a really good beer, by the way. If you like that kind of thick, heavy, malty beers, the their Scotch We Heavy is, is amazing. So
1: the Dirty Bastard Scotch Ale is 8.5 ABUs with 50 IBUs. Okay. I said ABUs, I meant ABV. You know. So they got some fruit beers. This rum brush that I talked about earlier, it's a fruit beer. Mm-hmm. It's uh, they got the alcohol down. I mean, it's 5.7, but it's 15 IBUs. So, I just had
0: the beer with the, the snack pack because I mean, I ate you know half of the Hershey's chocolate pudding before I had some of the beer. You know, it, it um, it kind of accentuates the like dark chocolate part of the beer, like uh-huh. the um, bitter cacao. Like when you get dark chocolate, seventy, eighty, ninety percent cacao Mm -hmm. chocolate, Mm -hmm. you get that kind of nice bitter roastiness. And for me, that's what comes out with the chocolate. It's a really good pairing because it, you know, it flows, it kind of changes both of them. I really like this and the pork. I thought that was, I thought that was a really, really good pairing. It's a great
1: beer, though. I think it's a great beer. Yeah, and it's great that it's uh, made year round. Yeah. A lot back of places in, are back doing in,
0: porters year-round now.
1: Yeah, they are, but uh, back in 2005, they were growing so fast that they couldn't make all the beers that they wanted to, so the porter got put back to not made. Oh, yeah. Or not made all the time, but made yearly in the porter season. In the fall, which is right which, now. Which is right now, but if you think you, you can't drink <laughs> porters or stouts year-round,
0: and you it. can't drink an IPA year round. I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna throw it out there. That's <laughs> that's my thought. Well, I would have to agree. But no, like I think only one of the breweries around here, one of our look, only one of our local breweries do a porter year round. Uh, Diamond Bear. Diamond Bear does. Yeah. The Paradise. No, it's no the the Pig Trail Porter. Um, they're the only one that. They're the only one that does one year round, and they actually distribute that one. It's really good. So anything else uh, about
1: i looking through my notes. About your beer before you know, we I think, switch over. I think that's it. So you th- you like the snack pack and the and the beer the I did. best as a pairing?
0: No, the pork. Oh, the pork. I like oh. I like the pork and the the beer the best and then the chicken wing because of the the way the spiciness played with the sweetness of the beer and then the and then the the chocolate cup. Because it's, it's not bad. It wasn't bad by any means. I think all of them were, were good pairings. I mean,
1: I put them together. I, I would say that. I right? thought they were good. So, are you ready to switch over? So, I really like the comeback story for these guys. You yeah. Know, they were about ready to close the doors. And uh, they decided that they needed to kind of up their game and make everything with high-quality <laughs> recipes and, and products. So... They came back, and they're, they're up there. I mean, I was looking at that chart with, a, with all, the different, all the different beers. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of There's one called K- Kentucky Breakfast Stout.
0: Oh, have you ever had the Kentucky? I have
1: had that. I wanted to highlight that. Have That's, you had the
0: Canadian Breakfast Stout? Yes. So, okay, barrel-aged fans, here we go. If, yes. you, have, if you don't know the KBS...
1: Well, the CBS is discontinued, according to this list. What? That's what it says.
0: Okay, I mean, you need to go buy the bottles that I've seen. But
1: the KBS,
0: it's year-round. It's on their year-round list. They moved it to year-round? KBS. Wow. Okay, so the Kentucky Breakfast Stout is they take their breakfast out and they barrel-age it in bourbon barrels. I would say it is in the pantheon of American barrel-aged beers to me. You know, we've had the Familias before. We've had the North Coast, uh, Old Rasputin. You know, KBS is up there. It used to not be yearly. They used to only make it. Release Rasputin. it in April. And yeah, they they used to only do that. Right. Another one that I actually had last night at a, a four-quarter was the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. That's another super, like, that's a high-end mm-hmm. Bourbon barrel aged Stout. It's really good from Goose Island out in. In uh, the Chicago area, I'm not sure how up to date
1: this Wikipedia is that I'm looking at. Oh yeah, you know they talk about
0: 2013. You know nothing shows 2020, but right. Well, in the the CBS, what they do is they take Canadian whiskey barrels, and the Canadian I think it's Canadian rye whiskey barrels, and they age their stout in the Canadian rye barrels, and they only they only um, sell that in bombers. Oh, okay. Or at least that's all I've ever seen it in. I haven't seen it in a normal size bottle.
1: Well, this says the KBS and the CBS were ranked among beer
0: advocates'
1: top 10 beers.
0: Yeah. Another one that they have that you talked about called the Solid Gold. Mm-hmm. I call that a Bud Light Killer. Um, it is a light beer. I think it runs like 4.4% alcohol, 28 IBUs. Like 4.5 yeah. and 20 IBUs. And it's, it's made year round as well. And it's a um it's just a kind of a lower end lawn mowing, easy drinking beer. And at least here in Arkansas, when I've seen it, they'll they'll sell a twelve pack for like thirteen, fourteen dollars. So you're hitting that same kind of price point as like Gingling and okay, like Takati yeah. and some of those. Like you're not hitting the Bud Light price point because it's just ridiculously low. Yeah. But you can still get a really good flavorful beer for not a whole lot of money.
1: All right. Well, you ready to move on then?
0: Yeah, we can switch over. So we're going to switch over to the next beer. Uh, This is the Bell's Porter from Comstock, Michigan. So we have both uh, Michigan beers today. I didn't think of that. That's fine. So our snacks again with this is we have maple whiskey, spicy lacquered bacon. We have a coffee and chili rub we have peanut butter chocolate chip cookies and then it's kind of a special treat we have uh, dark chocolate peanut butter cups to go with it so let's uh let's go ahead and get into it bell's is another you know like i said it's another american american beer they actually started bell started home brewing you know a while ago like way like when he got out of college but he actually opened a general store like a, a brewer's store in the early 80s after working at a couple breweries up in Michigan, he started brewing, started selling his home brew out of his, out of his general store, his uh, brewing general store in 83. So it's, uh, you know, a little bit older. Been
1: around a little longer. Yeah, it's a little not bit, that much, though. Yeah,
0: it's still, you know, definitely in the kind of the home brewing, home brewing craze. So this one, we still have a good head on this, and we poured this, you know, about 45 minutes ago. Like and, I said,
1: you can't tell much difference between these two.
0: Yeah, it's just a more of a white, a white head, but still black. Yeah, it's a little dark. Lighter, I guess can't see, you know, can't really see through it at all. What do you smell in this one, Dad? That's what I'm working on. It smells a little bit sweeter. Like, um, it kind of reminds me of. It's gonna sound really weird, like foamed milk, like when you go to high end espresso places. That like sweeter smell of the milk. Um, that comes through when it's when it's uh, when they froth it. Oh,
1: are you going back to a milk stout, Josh?
0: Oh, no, I'm not going back to. I mean, I'll drink one if it's here, but I'm just telling you what I smell. So it does. It
1: does have a lighter nose.
0: There's a little bit of roastiness in there. It is. Co- it is very different on the palate, though. It's light. It still has those good dark roasty qualities more bitter chocolate to me or like bitter espresso it does have a higher IBU according to my taste sensors your, per- <laughs> your perceived bitterness <laughs> yeah your perceived bitterness is is telling you that hey it's a little bit higher um when we go, when we go through the order of the pairing dad let's do the bacon first and all then right. we'll do the steak and then we'll go to the desserts all right but yeah so like i was saying you know bell um you know went to college graduated worked in a brewery and worked at a couple breweries but then he started a home brewery store in in Michigan and was selling stuff out of his out of his store and then in 1985 he sold his beer started selling his beer commercially so I had to do all like the proper things and he started actually with an amber ale which is was amber is was his first ever commercially sold beer So it's that's a good place to start as a home brewer. I mean, why is that?
1: Well, if you got the amber ale down as a home brewer, I'm not saying it would be easier to upscale it than if you had the stout. Right. That's what he knows, Mm -hmm. and so if that's what he knows, then he can upscale it, test it, taste it, and make
0: sure he's got it the way he wants it. Yeah. So it kind of. Like I said, this one, you're right, it has a little bit more of the perceived bitterness. I' see you going for the bacon, so I'll ask you about it here in a little bit. So the bacon just kind of a, talking about how I did it, i I made a kind of a lacquer with brown sugar, uh, chili powder, pepper, and then I used Jack Daniel's rye whiskey and some maple syrup. Kind of mixed that together. It's got, quite sweet. yeah, got kind of a coating on it, and then after the bacon was cooked, put the lacquer in the pan to kind of coat it and, and kind of get it kind of almost candied. If you cook your bacon in the oven, what you'd want to do is about every give it about 10 minutes and then about every five minutes get, get a brush and brush them on to kind of oh, okay. give it that more candied kind of flavor. Now
1: you said there's
0: some spices? Yeah, there's some black pepper and uh, chili powder. I don't perceive the chili powder. It's pretty light but boy I get the sweetness
1: and I get the bacon mm-hmm. and just like just like my pairing of the pork the bacon and this bells porter really go together mm-hmm. then again that sweetness of the lacquer that you made goes well wish I had a little porter of the founders left cuz I think this pairing would work well with the founder
0: well where's your where's the third one <laughs> But yeah, so one of the cool things when I was looking up this beer on their website, they actually had pairings on their website, suggested pairings. and
1: Oh, that's interesting. So
0: I kind of like took the idea of some sweetness and some spice to kind of where I came up with this idea for the bacon. And I think it works really well because like we said, the Bells taste a little bit more bitter. And that sweetness, that sweetness of the lacquer, and I'm getting a little bit of heat at the, it's very, it's in the back. Like it's really, well for me... You know it shows up. I mean, for the Scotch bonnet eater over there, right? It probably doesn't show up. Well, I think it depends on
1: which piece of bacon you get. Right. Because I got a second piece of bacon uh-huh. to try with the founders, and it's got a lot, it's got a lot more heat on it. A lot a more. Okay, so you finally <laughs> found this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, sneaking up on me.
0: Yeah, and so that but that bitterness going with the sweetness and that. Kind of bourbon-y taste. I think those was kind of where I was thinking it would go really well, and to me, it does. It kind of balances out the beer a little bit. What do you think? Well, that, with the Founders, it works just as well. The Founders.
1: Now that I've got them side by side, we ought to do this more often. Hmm. The head on the Founders is brown. Yeah. And the head on the Bells is brown, but it's it's a light light. It's not white, but it's yeah. a light light brown
0: yeah they're they're very different you check out the Instagram for the two pictures you'll kind of see those um you'll kind of see the differences and just to remember just kind of with the Instagram all the stories that come out I always save them um to our to the profile itself so if you if you go to the Instagram you don't see a story up there go ahead and go to the profile and you'll see like beer episode wine episode liquor episodes and see so you can go back through and see what's going on but yeah they are very, they are very different um, with the head colors, and I mean they're they're different with the taste too. Yeah. Now we're gonna have a taste test here. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. They're both good porters. I tell mm-hmm. you what.
1: I wasn't thinking when I got Founders that it, that Bell's was in the same state. Yeah. We should have picked another state down the road. <laughs> of course, Anger Stems from uh, San Francisco, so yeah. that would have been perfect.
0: Yeah, and Anchorstein was actually one of the first places first commercial places in the US to make porter. Uh-huh. Back in the I think it was the seventeen no the eighteen seventies. Yeah, probably for those gold rush guys. I mean they yeah. need that heavy beer, I guess. All
1: right. What's the what should be the next pairing?
0: Uh, I think we'll go to the steak next. So this is a it's a coffee and chili rub steak. Uh, it's got espresso it's got espresso, salt, pepper. Chili powder, paprika, and cayenne pepper. And then I just seared it off and kind of finished it in the oven. uh, Put it about a uh, medium rare on the temperature. And so, you know, we were talking about some of the history of this. In during World War I in Britain, you know, there were some of the barley shortages. And the taxes on the beers went up. Yeah. Except Guinness. (laughs) Of course. They did not raise it on Guinness. And so people with you know the brewers kind of slowed down making it and after world war one it took it a while to come back and it wasn't until like during or after world war ii where it really kind of caught its steam again of being made and being developed because they had to sit on it and they didn't have the grain to make it so they would make more they would make more of the beers they could with the lighter grains the lighter malted grains. One of the things about the
1: founders guys, when they they chose that building in the downtown area, it's called Renaissance Zone, so they got a tax abatement
0: from the city. Yeah, you know that's it's a really smart thing for a lot of brewers now that they're they're going into areas of revitalization like flyways down in Argenta, mm-hmm. going through revitalization or continuing to go through their revitalization. Lost Forties down in East End. Mm-hmm. Which is going at least here in Little Rock, they're going through kind of a renaissance down there. Uh, um, Stones Throw is up in the MacArthur Mm -hmm. MacArthur Park area, so it's a good way to for them to find cheaper locations because you need big you need big spaces, and a lot of those are usually old warehouse neighborhoods too. That's right. So tell me again about the rub on the steak. There's coffee. There's some espresso coffee, salt, pepper, uh, cayenne pepper. Yeah okay. There paprika. You go. See, I was getting a little and, heat
1: out of this steak, and I'm going, where is that coming kind of <laughs> yeah, from? Yeah, so there's is three, that still in there from the bacon. No, there's three. <laughs> there's three different
0: types of chili in there. There's you've got cayenne pepper, you've got paprika, and then you have a chili powder, and it's just kind of to bring out some more of that kind of spiciness and, and elevate the beef and cut through the bitterness of the coffee. I think the bells. You know, both both of these porters have that coffee taste
1: and that that chocolate. Taste you you described the founders with the espresso earlier, yeah. and so I think that steak with that coffee rub and the spice and the other spices kind of brings out some of that chocolate, yeah, coffee taste out of that bell.
0: Yeah, it brings out more of the sweetness. Well, it brings the sweetness and, too. but the, no, I oh, I was getting there like the sweetness and that that chocolatey flavor comes through more in that like bitter cacao taste that I was talking about at the beginning mm-hmm. is kind of gone. And it's more of the nice, um, semi-sweet or, or milk kind of chocolate taste. But that's, I think it's really good. And the beef, the beef, you know, beef tenderloin is not overly beefy, I mm-hmm. guess, for lack of a better term. It's not really marble. It's not really fatty. So you get a good flavor from the meat and it goes well with the, goes well with the beer.
1: Yeah, it does. And your other pair here I see cookies and I see these little bitty Reese's cups.
0: Yeah. So they're they're dark chocolate, um, peanut butter cups. I guess you're jumping straight into the dessert. Wow. While you're <laughs> while you're doing that. So
1: Oh, are you I gonna ta- hold me back?
0: No, no, it's fine, go ahead. <laughs> you know, while we were ta- you know, talking about how, you know, Bell started in the eighties and they started with an amber air, well the porter was first released at 87, in 87. Okay. So Bell's kind of was, they kind of did dark beers first. You know, they did the Amber Ale. They did a couple like lighter beers that is called beer. Mm-hmm. Bell's beer. And they did, they've done the Kalamazoo Stout, which is a big stout if you know, if you're a stout person, you know the Kalamazoo Stout. That was done before the Porter. Now They have the Expedition Stout as well. Up until this time, their, like, five-person team were brewing, distributing, and selling. You know, selling to people and distributing it and delivering it to all of all over Michigan or wherever they could. And But in 1989, they were actually picked up by a local distributor to distribute to, you know, to all of Michigan, which was really cool. That, you know, it took them, you know, what is that? 6 years. Okay. It Only took them 6 years to get distributed to their ent- entire state, which okay. you know, nowadays that seems kind of slow, but back then, I mean, I would think in the 80s that's, that's a pretty big feat. Mhm. So, how was the cookie?
1: Cookie's good, but I'm still <laughs> I'm have got on the front of my lips, Josh. Some of got that some spice from the steak, I think. <laughs> and it's like, "Oh no, where'd this come from?" <laughs> Yeah, you, that, that's really a good rub. We, we need to remember that.
0: Yeah. You know, that bitterness and the spiciness, you know, is something you can definitely pair with, or you can sauce it, too. And that would kind of give give you an option to chill down the
1: mm-hmm. bitterness
0: and the spice. I'm giving this cookie another chance. Let's see what else it'll draw out of that beer. Good cookie. I just had to have more of the steak because I think it's really good. And, the, like, the bitterness plays well together. The spice, you know, I think I think it's really good.
1: So, so I'm I think there's some caramel being pulled out to make with that peanut butter cookie. Okay, there's not really a peanut butter flavor in that beer, but there's like I think there's
0: some caramel now that okay. I'm getting a sense of. Because I mean, peanut butter and chocolate is a match made in heaven. Yeah, and so the the chocolate. You know, so this was actually a a pairing that I got from the website was they said peanut butter cookies. And when I was at Trader Joe's, I couldn't find just plain peanut butter cookies, Uh-huh. but they had these with the chocolate. In it. And I was like, okay, well that's still going to be a good, a good pairing. And you know, that ro- roasted nuttiness was going to go well with the beer. And you're right. It kind of brings out a more caramely flavor. Yeah. It's like it adds extra roastiness to the peanut buttery, you know, that creamy, sweet, buttery kind of flavor. It adds that extra roastiness that makes you think of caramel. Mm-hmm. At least to I me mean it does. Well, that little Reese's cup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, chocolate with
1: any stout or any porter, It like you said about the cookies
0: and the chocolate made in heaven. Yeah. So this porter... Is five point six percent alcohol, middle range, and then you know I talked about the bitterness, which I think is really interesting because I've never seen anybody else talk about it. But it, it made a good conversation in my head to think, oh, well, what is the point of an IBU? How does it play with everything else? Because I mean, I know stout can be bitter, but it don't always taste bitter mm-hmm. like an I like an IPA does. So that was really cool. Well, the thing about
1: beer. Food is you can drink a, well wine too maybe even whiskey I don't know but you take beer and you taste this and you taste that bitterness and you taste that sweetness and you taste that chocolate or whatever else is in there and then you mix it with food and you get another layer I mean they kind of layer yeah. in on top of it and if you have a good pairing It may draw out some of the additional flavors. Or if you have a bad pairing, it could say this food and this beer don't go together because that food's bitter, this beer's got a little bit of bitterness, and it just explodes. Right. It's like last week. I mean, we had some explosions last week with that Stilton cheese. Yeah. And... and And the gin, it was like, we just both got this explosion of of the botanicals. Mm -hmm. That was so amazing,
0: getting that explosion of alcohol. I've never had anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, that was really interesting from that. And the funny thing is, you know, the blueberry stilton we got isn't really a funky cheese. Like, it's nothing near the funky of of actual Mm -hmm. stilton. Right. It would have been kind of kind of makes me interested to see what that what those would have been like with an actual stuff. But what you just talked about, dad, was the whole reason that we're doing this. Exactly. And I mean to me, it's the mm-hmm. whole reason that we do this because you know, we're trying to show these thing, that, th- that these things are out there and give you guys the listeners an experience that's just it's not just about you listening to us. It's about you getting in and trying these things yourself because you're going to taste things that we're not. And we're going to taste things that you're not because our palates are different. Everything works differently. Like, I, you know. It's like Joanne said last week. Right.
1: Well, my palate's not very, very refined, But I think that's beef eaters. I think that's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she nailed it. She's not thinking she has a refined palate. And so some of you listeners may think. You know, I'm not going to taste those things that Josh and John are tasting. That's okay. Right. Everybody's palate is different.
0: You know, it's not about a refined. It has nothing to do with being refined. It has everything to do with paying attention. I don't think I have a refined palate. I pay attention to my palate, and I know what I like, and I know what I don't like, just like you. Yeah. You pay attention, you know, after we've, you know, done a lot of this, you know, you pay attention to what you like and what you don't like, and then you move forward with it and you just kind of get that with, okay, we're, we're off on a tangent, but so. No, not really. But yeah. <laughs> but I really like the chocolate cup, the dark chocolate cup with a peanut butter because it brings out a an extra level of sweetness in the beer and then. The roastiness of that peanut butter really, really goes well. Well, I'm sure this, with this this pudding would do the same thing. Yeah. The Hershey's pudding. Well, do you have any other questions about
1: Porter or the Bell's Porter? I don't understand why they won't tell us the IBUs. Well, it's... I, I get it that they well, don't want to say this is real bitter and they're afraid somebody won't buy it. Well, that's exact, that's exactly it. Yeah. So... But tell me what
0: it is, and maybe I'll buy it because I like that bitterness. But then, at the same time, if you're like, oh, this beer is going to be bitter, I'm going to really like it. But if you taste it, it's not going to taste bitter. It might not. Because. There is sweetness in there, too. Because you're not going to perceive the bitterness. Right. Because, I mean, who knows? I mean, we're, we're never going to know. But the founders could have more IBUs than the bells, but the bells tasted more bitter because they were, I don't know. Well, <laughs> yeah, different exactly, yeast but- or different malt you know, different malting process, different cooking. I mean, you don't you don't know, and that's their whole point of it is is, you know, if we tell you this beer is gonna be a hundred IBUs and you drink it, and it doesn't taste like your hundred IBU thing you already know you're going to think well what are these guys doing they don't know they don't know what they're doing about it mm. i th- i think it's i think in their head it's ibus are important to enjoying of a beer how you taste it is important so we're not going to tell you the ibus because it could taste it could be you know an a 100 ibu beer but when you taste it it tastes like an 80 ibu beer so then you're just going to be like well this is This is not great, you know, or, (laughs) or like, like we said, somebody would see that hundred IBUs me and be like, I'm not going to try that beer because it's going to taste so bitter. I'm not going to enjoy it. But if I don't know that I can go into it and figure out what I like. It's like blinding a beer. Or it's like blinding anything. Oh, we're getting close You do You way don't way. know. You don't know it's in the glass, so you have to take it for as it is. Not any. Not any preconceived notions of what it should
1: be. Well, you said you don't like IPAs because they are high IBUs.
0: No, I don't like them because they taste like pine salt.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, whatever. But you like KBS, and it has seventy, but which if- is as. high. Which is higher than the Centennial IPA that Founder makes because it's sick.
0: But if you drink that beer, it does not taste bitter. It tastes syrupy. It tastes sweet. It tastes bourbony. All right, that's true. So there's that's, a lot of other flavors in there than than the bitterness. And that and that's the that's their lar- I think that's their larger point. Is, well,
1: and part of IBUs has to do with there's aroma hop, right. And then there's bittering hogs. Mm-hmm. and when you say IBUs, you're talking about the whole the whole game.
0: Yeah, I mean there's a there's a there's a scientific test they go through to find those IBUs, like a like a chemical analysis. I mean, I kind of think of it like pH levels. Mm-hmm. You know, you not you can't you we probably can't tell the difference between a you know a water that's a six pH and a water that's a seven pH or an eight pH exactly. So. Can we really tell the difference between a thirty, you know, a thirty and a forty? Have you like those kind of things? Is kind of where I, like, I understand it, and I really like that because you know, after blind tasting a whole lot, you know, I've had many of people say, "Oh, I never would have picked that off the shelf Would I taste it without any other preconceived notions of what it is." I really like it, and I would buy it. So right. I think I think that's kind of their one of their larger points to it. So speaking of blinding. Are you ready? I am. Because it's a beer podcasting, that means John gets to blind. So, all right, we'll get the blind going, and we'll be back in just a minute. All right, so we've got the blind poured up. John and my dad is going to be doing the blind this week. Um, he's using uh, Rich Gibbons' deductive re- beer tasting That's grid. All right. And all right, Dad, whenever you're ready. Okay. No pressure. Mom got hers right. Yeah, no pressure.
1: <laughs> I got my last one right. That's right. All right, let's get into it. All right, well, the beer color, it's got that straw color. got uh, It's pretty clear, no haze to it, so that's a good, clear clarity. Sediment. I really don't see any sediment. No. So color of foam is like, yeah, like a cream color. The retention of the head. It seems to be fleeting, because it's disappearing pretty quick. Yeah, it does kind of go away pretty quick. Right, so uh, let's see. The aromatics. Oh man, Uh, medium to low. I don't get a lot of smell at all, Josh. Not real floral. Okay, I'm gonna jump down here and get a little taste. Hmm, pretty sweet. Not much bitterness at all, mm. the acidity I think the acidity's up there a little bit, maybe medium yeah it does make your does make your mouth water just a little yeah that perceived bitterness, not much bittering on it. keep going back to smell it i I'm not getting not getting much at all it is a little it is a little cold mm-hmm. Well, that's where I had my finger, Josh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going down the cold list. Mouth feel. You know, when I swirl it I get a lot of a lot of carbonation. hmm So body characteristic. Pretty full, you know. Medium maybe. Body character. Getting some baking spices. Okay. Readiness. Astringent. I don't know alcohol presence too I sure can't smell the alcohol, and like I said, when I swirl it, I get more foam, so I'm not really seeing any any kind of legs. The finish there's some good sweetness finish is pretty quick, yeah, getting down on the end of my sheet, and I still don't know what it is. Well, do you like it?
0: I like it. does it taste what does it taste like anything you've ever had before?
1: Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out.
0: Very fresh.
1: Uh, And the IBUs, I want to say they're in that 40 range, maybe. Okay. About like that uh, Founders.
0: Hmm. All right, Josh. So, is it a stout? What? Is it a stout? Is it a stout? No.
1: No. Is it a porter? No. Is it an amber ale? Is it an amber ale? Maybe. Really? Look at the color. Is, yeah, right. No. Is is it <laughs> it's not is an it, amber ale? Is it an IPA? Well, see, you tricked me the last time on that on that first IPA, and it's like, nah, I would have never got that. Well, okay. So, right. let's, so let's. So here's what. Talk I'm about do.
0: the thing that it's not. Um. So it's not a stout. It's not an amber. It's not a. It's not a porter. Does it? it does it taste like a half of bison, banana clove? No. Okay. I does it think taste like Josh. A, go here's, ahead. Here I'm ready to go. All right. I think it's
1: a sasson uh it's not as it's not a tank seven but i think it's a a, a farmer's ale
0: okay that's all right well we will see next week if my dad is right with calling this a farmhouse sasson style ale so next week is going to be a pretty cool episode i'm i'm actually really excited about it because i love i love this kind of pairings uh we're going to be doing a thanksgiving wine episode so, we're going to have turkey, dressing, and pecan pie as our food. And then we're going to be pairing a couple of different wines with it. So, Dad, what are you going to be bringing? Well, I, I like uh, a lot of wines that you have
1: with turkey and dressing. But uh, Nouveau Beaujolais is kind of a tradition around our house. Now, I hope they're out. They usually come out around November. So I should be able to find one. Some years, they're not as good as others, but we'll see what we
0: have. Yeah. What are you going to do? So I'm actually going to bring two different ones. Okay. I'm going to bring the Trimbach Geherzemeanor from Alsace. And then I'm going to bring a sparkling rosé from Lucien Albrecht. So we'll have, we'll have a bubble, we'll have a white, and we'll have a red to go with it. So it's going to be, it's going to be a really good time, and we're uh, excited to uh, kind of share... Of our Thanksgiving tradition with you, so we're we gonna blind, yeah. Well, I will be blinded that week because it is okay, a I'll have to find <laughs> something to blind you with, so it'll be uh, it'll be lots of fun. So, we're thank you again for uh, joining us for another episode of Acquired Tastings. Remember, check us out on the social medias we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we're really kind of our main platform is Instagram. So, check us out, uh, reach out to us, chit chat with us. We will tell your love, friends. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to, as we said last week, uh, have a socially
1: acceptable ten or less yeah. gathering. You know, download at one time. Mm-hmm. Get get your wines together and uh, have a good old time.
0: Yeah, so uh, remember to follow, you know, give us a subscribe if you like us on your favorite podcast platform. If they've got a way to rate us, give us a rating, please. We'd love to hear your comments and see those stars coming from you. And we thank you for joining us for another episode of Acquired Tastings. And I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.